We would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land in which this podcast is recorded and produced, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations, whose sovereignty was never ceded and this area's original name was Nam. We pay respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. Damn! We're in a tight spot! Welcome to Music Town. My service you? Great Scott! It will never be enough! I only want to hear Yaya Ding Dong! Ah, as if! Dignity. Always dignity. You're listening to You Watched What? I'm Kate. And I'm Amy. We're sisters, we watch movies, we talk about the movies, we talk about the gossip surrounding the movies. How you going, Amy? Yeah, I'm really well. How are you, Kate? I'm good. What have you been watching? I've watched a few things in the last week or so that I want to just recommend or talk about. Cool. Um, the first one I'm going to recommend that everybody, or not everybody, true crime people mm-hmm. get onto is the I'll Be Gone in the Dark <gasps> documentary. Yes, I watched this. Uh, a few months ago. Oh, okay. Yes. So and I've good. read Michelle McNamara's book. Ah, okay. I haven't read the book, but actually made me want to read the book. Um, so for those who don't know, I'll Be Gone in the Dark is based around the book written by Michelle McNamara. She's a true crime author and she's written a beautiful book, I'm assuming, because it's it's I say beautiful in the way that in in a way that she's worked so hard on it and mm. it's really comprehensive I think mm. on the Golden State Killer yeah in America the Golden State Killer is a serial killer who went through a, a few different phases mm. of um and has had a few different names of Vasalia Ransacker yeah um the East Ori- Area Rapist yeah original Night Stalker original Night Stalker and Michelle Mac- McNamara wrote this groundbreaking um I think it was LA Times article where she renamed him the Golden State Killer to try and get more attention on these mm. crimes and then she became obsessed with with trying to solve yeah. the crime and I'll be gone in the dark is the book she was writing at the time she she just died really suddenly and unexpectedly. Yeah, prior to it coming out and prior to it being solved because, mm-hmm. as we know, the Golden State Killer um, case has now been solved. Yes, it was just over three years ago. Yes, and he's actually just recently, kind of towards the end of last year or early this year, yeah. was sentenced. Yeah. So it's a it's quite a, a recent it's a, one it, in a way, yeah. uh, but also a really long-standing crime Mm. in a way as well um but i'll be gone in the dark is so nice because it it's it looks at michelle Mm -hmm. and her life and her work just as much as it looks into the golden state killer as well and And it looks at the lives of the surviving victims and and what they've been through as well and it did something that i really love it the, the kind of new trend in true crime docos which i really love is that they don't mention who the killer is until they know who it is. Yeah. So it's kind of done in the timeline frame of things that you, you don't find out who the murderer is yeah. um, until they kind of know who until it is. Until it gets caught. Yeah, so yeah. it's really it was it's really well done. It's yeah. really worth a watch. Mm, it's fascinating because it brings together 
the obsessiveness of of Michelle's attempts mm. to find him, and she was not alone in there being a lot of, um, I guess, citizen detectives out yeah, there. Yeah, so tra- many trying to track down um, this monster. Monster. I don't have a better word for no, it. He was he, a he monster. He was monstrous. He is monstrous. Yeah. Um, but and then Michelle died before about a year before he was yeah. caught, and so it, it's able to tell. The rest ba- of the story of how killed he, her. How he was, her, her obsession, yeah. her obsession, basically killed her because she was having nightmares and so stressed and exhausted mm-hmm. from yeah. writing this book and her obsession with finding out who this person was that she was self medicating. Yeah, and so it's a really, really sad part of the documentary. Mm-hmm. But it was really, it was really, really well done. Yeah. I- Strongly recommend the book too because her voice is incredible. Her she it was such a good writer. Yeah, and even there when are some they, phrases in that book that have stayed with me. Yeah, um, even when they read out snip, you can tell mm. that they're reading her works through yeah. the documentary. Yeah, and yeah, it's just be- that's why I said it's beautiful because it, it is beautifully written. Mm-hmm. Awful like stuff that you're writing about, but. Yeah. The way it's articulated is just beautiful. Yeah. And I really liked how the documentary also gave voice to the victims who didn't fully agree with the citizen detective approach and mm. how how much access Michelle had been given to um, the materials yes. from the from the various um, different detectives different, and yeah, the different, different organisations um, and yeah, things. Yeah, police departments. Yeah. But it was really, really good. So I highly recommend mm. um, if you can – get your hands on that to have a watch, definitely do that. The other thing that we watched in the last week was The Flight Attendant. Ooh. Is that good? Yeah, with Kaylee Coco. Um, It's so good. It was so, so good. I'd seen um, previews and things when it was first coming out and it really caught my attention then because it is a murder mystery and and there's no secret. I don't think I'm overly spoiling anything because it's in the – the previews okay that she's a flight attendant she meets someone on her flight has a romantic night with him um wakes up the next morning and his throat's been slit and she's in bangkok and so she's just got to get the hell out of there right and then it's then we've we've got this huge big tangled web that she needs to unravel over the next um six episodes and um, find out who killed him because she knows it wasn't her. Um, she's a raging alcoholic though. It's really, really good. It's, it's once again, grim subject matter and um, it's like a real spy kind of thing cool. but laced with really good um, dark humour. So it's actually like a bit of a black comedy. It's, it's really, really good. Awesome. But it was much better than I was expecting too. I wasn't expecting too much, but it, it was really good. It really delivered. So if you can watch The Flight Attendant, mm-hmm. get onto that too. And lastly, I just want to let everybody know, all of the, my OC fans out <gasps> there, so fans of the OC, the, the great early 2000s teen drama, soap, whatever you want to call it, um, 
Rachel Bilson and Melinda, I can't remember her last name. So basically Summer and Julie from the OC have started a podcast called Welcome to the OC Bitches, (laughs) which everybody, all fans know was like the famous, famous line line from the the pilot episode. Um, California, here I come. Yeah, so they're doing a recap so I'm oh, that sounds like just fun. started this week or it'll be a few weeks by the time you hear us talking about it. But um, I'm so keen to see what episode they're doing, watch the episode and then listen to the, the podcast. That's how much of an OC fan I am. I've seen them. Mm. I've seen all the series like countless times. I'm a massive fan, so I'm I'm actually really really excited. So yeah, welcome to the OC Bitches podcast. Awesome. Look it up; it's yeah. going to be great. Oh, cool! I'm I didn't watch the OC the whole way through, but the, oh, I love those first shame, few seasons. Shame. Well, I just looked up and it's on stand, so I will be able yes. to. I'll be able to get caught up. Yes. Hmm. Cool. Yeah. Been watching Adam Liao's new cooking show on SBS, The Cook Up. Okay. Really good. So the format is he'll have a couple guests on, often they're chefs or food stylists or they might just be, you know, Australian personalities like um, Yumi Steins and I Ben I love Moore. Yumi. Yeah. Uh, FYI, people out there with prepubescent girls, yes. Yumi Steins has a great book explaining periods. Oh, awesome. Yeah, and I think she's got another one coming out about oh, – I can't even think of what it is I right now. I think it's now. about consent. Ah, is it yeah. awesome? Yumi Steins is a national treasure. Yeah, she really is. But we've got her period book. Oh, we cool. haven't read it yet. But anyway, cooking. <laughs> so there will be a couple of guests and then there will be a theme. Some of the themes have been like an ingredient like lemongrass or there was the theme of snack foods. Or, oh, yeah, awesome. Um, yeah, so there's, there's a theme. Adam will cook something to the theme and chat with his guests and then they will each at the same time do their version of the theme oh, okay. and go between them and so it's just it's so a sh- it's a couple of guests per episode it's two episodes okay per episode it's two, two guests, guests per, per episode. episode i really like adam leo he's he's a really good host he's very welcoming yeah. and, and and like a calm presence to have on the telly yeah. in your house. He was back in the day when I still watched MasterChef and mm. I, I remember him being just a, seeming like a lovely person. Yeah. He just he seems really just, yeah, calm and gentle and sweet on TV. Spicy takes on Twitter though. He's fantastic. Oh, good. Oh, That's yeah. always fun. No, he's great. So, yeah, fully recommend that show. It's And it's a really yeah, cool. good to pop on the streaming. Yes. You're sort of winding down before bed and you just want to have some, yeah. something nice to – to watch that you know is not going to stress you out. Yeah, same goes with um, the great you, uh, the great British Bake Off. Yes, I love that that I've been watching mm. as well. That's just that's so good. It actually inspired us to make bagels last week. Ooh. So yeah, awesome. Your kids love bagels. Yeah, I made them with our littlest, and she loved it, and they lasted a whole week. So oh, fantastic. We'll definitely be doing that again for yeah. lunches. I love I love Bake Off because. Everyone is kind to each other, yeah. you know, that they're helpful and it doesn't feel nasty competitive. It just feels mm. like challenging yourself I know. competitive. It's, yeah, it's an, a nice vibe mm. in there. Mm. Um, and it's one of the show. I reckon for me, Bake Offs and Gardening Australia mm-hmm. are the two shows that really inspire me to do 
the two things that I really love, I love gardening and I love baking. And if I watch one of the shows, I'm like really motivated for the day. Yeah, love it. I also, I'll talk about this really quickly, but I watched this documentary on Netflix called Coded Bias. Mm -hmm. It's about facial recognition algorithms and how human biases such as institutionalised racism and sexism Mm. are built into these programs whenever we're building something that we're trying to teach to teach itself. Okay. The idea with these facial recognition algorithms is you you get a database of people's faces and you use machine learning for the program to teach itself how to recognise faces. The problem is most of the people who are designing this software are white men. Mm. So you end up accidentally but problematically with software that's great at recognising white White men. men. We spend a lot of time with academics in the field, mostly with um, women who are working to try and get some legislation in the US to control how facial recognition is used. Okay, yeah. Um, And so that it's not abused, basically. Mm, Interesting. It was really good. Yeah, really interesting. What was that called again? It's called Coded Bias. And it's on Netflix. It's on Netflix. I'm just going to tell one little snippet, which is what I saw online, which inspired me to basically go and watch it immediately. Mm -hmm. Amazon were trialling some new machine learning software to pull out resumes of people to go into their engineering team Mm -hmm. and their engineering team is currently mostly men what the cv picking software did was identified anyone who had gone to a women's college participated in women's sports and excluded them right because it's trying to match people who are similar to what they currently have and so they don't have very many women in the team. In in the, the field of facial recognition software development, there's less than 14% of the people working in it are women. So it was just ex- systematically excluding women. Wow. You can't change a system yeah. like this that, that is built on the broken uh, system that we have. Wow. <laughs> Haven't you heard, Mr Beckett? The world is coming to an end. So where would you rather die? Here or in a Jaeger? Shall we talk about Pacific Rim? Yeah, let's do it. Oh, God. So this week, Kate made me watch Pacific Rim. First time where you've really said made me like... Yeah, it was a... (laughs) It was a chore. (laughs) Tell me what you really think, Amy. Okay. So, look, I can definitely see um, the appeal that it would have to some people. I can definitely see that. I feel like I'm being red. (laughs) But it's just not for me. (laughs) just wasn't for me. Um, There were enjoyable parts in it. Um, But, yeah. So... Okay, so it started. I had to rent it, and I and oh. this was a couple of weeks ago because we couldn't record last it's weekend. On Netflix. Was it? Didn't come up on Netflix no, for me. Oh, that's weird. It's on oh, Netflix. Oh well, if I'd known that, I probably would have rewatched it because. So a few weeks, I had to watch it a few weeks ago, and then we couldn't record that weekend because I had sick children and there was mm-hmm. COVID testing happening. But so we couldn't record. Um, and then the next weeks come around, and I was thinking about it last night. I'm like, oh. Should I watch it again? Like, do I need to watch it again? Because so it's fresh. And then I was like, I'm not 
paying to watch it again. I'm not renting this again. If I'd known it was on Netflix, I would have though and been a little bit more prepared. But anyway, I digress. Okay, I will carry the load in the actual plot recap <laughs> then, which is fine. Um, so the l- let me just say it starts off and I think I spent the first 10 minutes just cackling to myself because it really, really, that first little part, before the credits even start, it's like yes. 10, 15 minutes, oh, I, yeah. I'm going to say. Um, and I was just laughing because I'm like, this really has the remnants of the great comic classic Top Gun. I know I'm going to get hate for calling Top Gun a, a comedy, but it is. I feel better <laughs> if I pretend that Top Gun is a comedy. <gasps> We watched we watched Top Gun together quite recently, Kate. For the first time. For the first time. Neither of us had seen no, it. No, and neither had my husband who was watching it with us. And we – Kate, <laughs> it was just hilarious. That's why I say it's a comedy. Yeah. Oh, no. I just found it so funny. But the first kind of 10, 15 minutes was really Top Gun for me. And I was like, you okay. Know, no, you have a point. This is going to be Top Gun with aliens. You have a point. So the movie starts sort of – They even like high-five each other and they've got the same kind of leather jackets no, on. No, Amy, I want us to have matching um, <laughs> fighter pilot jackets with you watched what on the back. I want yes. us to have those fights because, you know, we're siblings like they yeah. were. Okay, so I the didn't movie... realise they were real brothers. I thought he was just calling him his no, brother no, for they're... a long time. It took me a long time to work out that they're he was actual, actual brothers. They're actual brothers. Blood brothers, like yeah. for for real life, they're talking like this. Okay, and, yeah. oh, it was never... just, and it got to the point where my husband came out and said, "Stop laughing at a good movie, Amy." <laughs> you, no, you're allowed to laugh at it. It is silly. It is silly. Like I love it. It is silly, and I am going to drag it quite a bit. I've got some valid complaints, and also some things that are just. It is very silly. Yeah. So we start. In the distant year of 2020. I know. That just, that cracked me up so much too because. It's hard. It's it's like, fuck, 2020 was bad, but at least it wasn't aliens coming up from the sea bad. I know. <laughs> I mean, I hadn't thought about, I hadn't thought about Pacific Rim all last year and maybe I should have watched it to make myself feel better. But also I was a bit like, mm, we can't even roll out a vaccine. I don't know if we would be capable of building these huge robots. No, I do love I, – I, yeah, the idea of having gone through what the world has gone through in the past couple of years, I find it very hard to agree that we would all come together and solve the problem. Yeah. But it, that is what robots would look like if it happened in 2020 because think about it, all of the engineers who then would have been on the Jaeger program grew up watching Transformers. Yeah, that's true. So – Makes That's sense. true. No, I was happy with how they looked and I and it was quite exciting to watch them, how they work and it was good. So I was very, very entertained for about the first <laughs> hour and a half, I reckon. So much exposition at the start. Like there is a lot of um, world building that just gets dumped on us of mm. the monsters came up from inside the Pacific um, and then we built giant robots, but you have to have two people experiencing mm. the power of love and friendship <laughs> in order to pilot them. Look, we're going to talk about drift compatibility a bit because it yeah. is both a beautiful, gorgeous idea and one of the most stupid things I've ever heard. Yeah. Because it is. It's the, 
you've got to be close. You've got to really get each other. Yeah. It's the idea of like your soulmates, but it can be platonic. It can be family yeah. members. It can be, you know, a married couple. Like it can just be great. So drifting is basically your brains are connected while you're in the robot. Yes. And so you can operate one side of the robot and the other person can operate the other side of the robot and it can all happen harmoniously to knock this robot out. Thank you. Is that for, basically that what is drifting is? Exactly right and explained more clearly than they ever explain it in the movie. Yeah, because it took me a long time to get that conclusion. Yeah. And that's why maybe – <laughs> maybe <laughs> that's why I lost interest about halfway through and got distracted with my computer and then went, oh, I'm meant to be watching this. I'm supposed to be paying <laughs> attention. I'm going to have to do a test on it later. Idris Elba, though, with that moustache, <sighs> bringing a sexy dad energy. Yeah. Okay. Here's that. Tom Cruise was going to play him. I know. <laughs> I, I didn't know until I was researching for this episode and it was offered to Tom Cruise. I'm like, I feel oh. like that's just such a theme in our lives at the moment that yes. Tom Cruise is just offered everything. <laughs> They're tr- trying to get – oh, no. Did we accidentally make a podcast that is about all the roles Tom Cruise, Tom <laughs> Maybe. Cruise didn't take? Maybe we need to change the name. <laughs> I think – Tom Cruise is too short and too Tom Cruise for this role. Yeah. I think Idris Elba is great. I think he is great in it. I think he's too good for this movie, personally. He elevates the movie. Oh, definitely. He's a bit... Oh. I've never seen... I'm a bit disappointed that he took this movie. I'm Aww. like, oh, come on. No, it's fun. Okay. But... And they weren't giving him James Bond at the time. Did they, let him, they, use, about did they let him use his own accent? I yes. can't remember. Yeah. Okay, because I've got lots of issues with accents. We will talk about that when we get there. Don't worry. So do, <laughs> do you I. have issues with that too? <laughs> we will drag them when we get to them, I promise. It looks a lot like a video game though. Yeah, it does. It's visually like in the Jaeger piloting it. Yeah. It looks like a video game. It looks game. like Street Fighter kind Fully, of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. It is cool. And it, the costumes are cool. How dark and gloomy it is and how neon everything is mm. is really, really cool. But I also found that that kind of got tiring. Yep. Um, and just it might be visually exhausting. Yeah, it just got visually exhausting. It was really, really cool. And I loved it at the start. But towards the end, the movie only goes. I actually felt like it was longer. It goes for tw- mm. um, two hours and 12 minutes. Yep. And I and as I said before, at around the hour 20 mark, I was like, oh, I'm, and I think that's why I got on my computer to do some stuff because I, d- I was just exhausted by yep. it happening. And I felt like there was a few too many storylines happening or things, too many things were dragged out. Does that make sense? It does. You'll be... I don't know, horrified or pleased to know that um, the director, Guillermo del Toro, cut an hour out of his first cut. Wow. Because he wanted to make it clearer. I think I have a quote. It was clear. Like it was clear but there was also kind of things like you you could either choose to have this storyline as your focus or this storyline as your focus. You've got two pretty major storylines running side by side so Mako um her storyline which I thought was really really great and I loved that side and the connection that she had with um 
the guy from Sons of Anarchy, whose name I've forgotten right now. I want to call him Charlie. No, Charlie Hunnam is his real name. That's, yeah, okay. Uh, who is English also yes. and who I've never seen in, in anything where oh. he's got an English accent. Who was in Queer as Folk. Oh. The original English one. Really? Yeah. Huh. I've only ever watched the um, US Canadian production. Oh, maybe it was. Maybe it was that oh, one. I have no idea. Oh, okay. Anyway, Sorry. yeah, yeah. So, he what's his name in this movie? Raleigh. Ra- that's right, Riley. Which Sean? Because we'll my kids <laughs> go to school with a few Rileys, and Sean always calls them Riley. And he goes, "I can't believe you never even knew why I was doing that until now. I can't believe you never seen it." No, no, no. I'm like. I'm so glad that I'm Sean flies you. a lot and so he yeah. sees a lot of movies um, without me and then I think he just expects me to just have already also seen all the things that he's seen mm-hmm. through maybe through our drifting brains. <laughs> yes, you and Sean. <laughs> he, feels, he feels that we could drift and I should know everything that he knows. Hey, that would save you a lot of effort in actually watching those movies. Oh, yeah, you it could would just save a lot of memory. effort in my life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, Guillermo del Toro cut like an hour out, which had more character arcs apparently, but the quote from him is, quote, We cannot pretend this is Ibsen with monsters and giant robots. I cannot pretend I'm doing a profound reflection on mankind, Mm, which is fair. I enjoy this movie, but, yeah, it's about building giant robots to punch monsters. So, and then the other storyline, so you had this beautiful storyline of Mako and Raleigh, um, and, and then kind of finding each other and getting to work together. And then you've got this weird storyline of these really nerdy guys. No, I love them. I love yeah, them. Yeah, no, I love them too. They were the I best love their storyline. But then they go off and they find the dad from Sons of Anarchy. Yes. <laughs> He's there dressed like We will talk about that pimp. in more, de- more but detail. But it was just weird, like the storylines – one needed to be smaller than yep. the other, I felt. Mm. That's my opinion. That's fair. I think that's fair. So anyway, we start the movie and Riley and his brother are combating a alien. Yeah. Okay, two things I want to say. One is all of these um, kaiju come out and they're given – like a rating and a name straight away. Like oh, it gets okay. a code name. Tendo, the character who is the, I don't know, like tech guy, oh, computer yeah. person. He has kind of a great kind of mullety. He has this whole rockabilly thing. look and I love yep. him. I love that actor. They come out like with a rating, which I think is just size. I think it's just to make it sound cool, but they all come out with a name. I want to know like. Is it like cyclones? Do they have a list? Because uh, maybe. They're, they're like, oh, knife head. And it's like, well, he has got a knife head. So, no, I think Tendo just names them. Yeah, cool. Second thing is, do you remember what his brother's name is? Riley's brother. Nah. Yeah. Brother. Yancey. Yancey, that's now, which right. Which is an unusual name. <laughs> and I've always wondered, is this a deliberate Futurama reference? Because Yancey. Philip J. Fry's brother is Yancey. Literally the only other time I've ever heard that name. Yancey. Yancey. Yeah, there were some weird name choices. There, look, weird name choices, but some of them are great, but they're all, all like insane and not realistic. And I love that. Well, no, some of them might be realistic. I don't know. I think some of them were realistic, but just not for the country that these people come from. No, self-respecting Australian calls their child Chuck. 
That's that's where what I was getting at. Yeah. And then the son's name is No, the son's name is Chuck. Oh, then what's the dad called? Hercules. Hercules. <laughs> Hercules Hansen and his son Chuck. And, and Hansen's have, not really a common, it's not Australian, a common Australian name. name. But and look, also, what if you're going to get Australian? If you want Australians, hot Australians, like we've got lots of hot Australian actors. They could have cast. Just cast a Hemsworth, anyone. They could have cast two any Hemsworth as any brothers. Hem, any Hemsworths will do. Probably could have, asked. and they will sound like Australians. Yes, they won't sound like some kind of hybrid Cockney from the Bronx, random ochre person. It was the most bizarre accent I've ever heard, and I wet myself laughing. Very bad. <laughs> Both do very bad accents. Both of them. The names are all wrong. Oh, why do they have a British bulldog? It definitely should be a staffy. <laughs> There's no other dogs even there. Why is there a dog? One, one dog okay. there. Why? I did some reading and the idea is in the plot is because this father and son really, even though they are drift compatible and see each other's memories, can't really talk to each other and so they express all of their love for each other through, through the, the dog. dog who should be a staffy. If yeah. they're proper Australians, yeah, they've got a staffy. it would be a staffy. That's right. Anyway. Yeah, yeah bad. See. But what also, once again, <laughs> the, big, the big trope here is that us as Melburnians – we're safe because everything always hits Sydney. Oh, no, and I know. always hits the Opera House. So I was like, Whew, once again, being in Melbourne, safe as houses. We don't have a beautiful harbour and I'm grateful for that. Yes. Thank God. So Yancey and Raleigh. Got Raleigh. Like, they're great names. Yancey and Raleigh go. They get in their big Jaeger, uh, Gypsy Danger. Gypsy Danger. I like that name. Look, they've all I'm got good names. That. Um, I don't know if they should be using gypsy. Oh, why? Because it's not always used as a good uh, yeah, thing as a good term. for Roma people. Yes. I think they just got sucked into the it sounds cool and I've got some yeah, that's complaints true. about that across the movie. It does sound cool. Yeah. The, look, the Jaeger names in general do sound cool. So what I love is that Idris Elba, whose character's name is Stacker Pentecost, again. Oh my like God, I didn't even pick that up. A wild name. I, I like that there's a lot of predictability in this movie. We get told, okay, so you've got to go and protect Anchorage because it's a big city. But also there's a tiny fishing boat, but you ignore that fishing boat and you know, okay, they're going to go and save the fishing boat. And so Stacker just politely, I guess, decides he's not going to yell at them about that until mm-hmm. after they've already done it. So no one ever obeys him. As mm. soon as they're in a Jaeger, they're like, I'm doing whatever I want. Bye, Dad. Yeah, because we're, he's we're just in like, a huge thing. Don't do that. And they're like... Can't hear you. I'm in a giant robot. So, of course, they save the boat. Everything goes badly. They fight the, the monster. They think they've killed the monster. They haven't killed the monster. They do save the boat. But Yancey, Yeah, but then they're, they're, they were instructed to save the boat at the end. Like, yes. So, That's how on. we know Stacker. Are we to, what are we doing? We're saving the boat or aren't we saving the boat? Well, they'd already saved the boat. So then he's like, okay, well, now you've got the boat. I'm not going to like – committed to saving yeah, the boat. we're going to save the boat. So that's how we know Stacker's not like – he's military, but he's not – Evil military. Mm. Anyway, Yancey gets ripped out of the thing and I assume oh, eaten while they're still drifting together. Bravo! R- I'm R- sure R- that was peace, Yancey. That was called out probably because that's why I didn't know his name because he was just brother. That's my brother. Oh, how's your brother? 
poor, poor Raleigh. And so Raleigh has to get to the beach, which looks great. Like that whole sequence. Oh, that was really, really good, wasn't looks it? Looks incredible. And yeah. the sound design when he starts to actually come out of the Jaeger and we are hearing it from the perspective first of, of the old guy mm. on the beach who's, who's helping him mm. and then the, like the buzzing – yeah, in his ears, and then the score starts. It's I think a, that's when I, sta- I stopped kind of giggling about the movie. Yeah, um, I was like, oh no, this this might be okay. Yeah, because I am I, like I love a bit of action. I'm mm. a huge Jurassic Park and Jurassic World fan. I love a little bit of that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I thought, no, this is going to be okay. Yeah. So yeah, then we have the title, and then we come back to Idris Elba, stack of Pentecost, having a Zoom meeting. And everything's well, bad. We meet Hercules Hansen, our first terrible Australian <laughs> accent. Because there's been an attack in Sydney. Is that Has that happened? No. No. Okay. We're, it's about to happen. What oh, happens okay. is we have the Zoom meeting and they say, we're taking away your funding. We're building this terrible wall because walls oh, always work. Yep. And you have six months, good luck. And then they go to Hong Kong. Meanwhile, they go to Hong Kong. And then the Sydney, and then Hercules, I guess, goes back to Sydney to collect his son and Jaeger, and then Sydney gets attacked. Yeah, which look looked cool. It did look cool. That it all looks cool. Like all the attacks and things look really well done. Yeah, the action and the CG is amazing, and I feel feel like I should talk about it more. But eh, look, it was amazing. It was really cool. No, but that's when we first hear ridiculous, ridiculous names and accents, as we've discussed. Oh, just that's when I think I started giggling again. It's Because I was just like, oh, my God, really? It's very hard as an Australian. It is really, really hard. Because to... we are used to hearing bad Australian accents. And yes. But there's also just so many good options. Just hire Australians. Just hire Australians. And they do. You want Irish actors? Hire Irish actors. Yeah. You know, just... Just keep it simple. <laughs> of course they didn't. No. And we got this, you know, sitch. Yeah. The young guy, the young guy Chuck, he's actually English, mm. which is why his one sounded more cockney. Yeah. And Hercules is American. Mm-hmm. So yeah, both both not good at Australian accents. No. So in the movie we then catch up with Riley who is doing construction work on this new wall, which is an OHS nightmare because people just keep dying and it's horrible. Um, But Idris Elba shows up in a helicopter to be like, I've been looking for you. The world is ending. Everything's terrible. How do you want to die? And apparently this extremely awful pitch works. And Mm. he's like, actually, yeah. Even though five minutes ago I said, no, I will never do this again. I can't. It's too traumatic. And Idris Elba is like, how do you want to die? And he's like, Actually, good point. You know, you're right. I do want to die in a giant robot. I'm coming with you to Hong Kong. Um, and then we get a gorgeous across uh, Victoria Bay shot of Hong Kong. I love Hong Kong so much. It's so beautiful. Again, in the list of, of names, it's not just character names. Do you remember that the base is called the Shatter Dome, which sounds like a, a like a wrestling match or something? Oh, okay. It's great. We finally get to meet um, Mako Mori. Yes. Who is... Just the heart and soul of this movie. Yeah, she's great. She's so good. And she's very beautiful. And she gets a you know, a beautiful introduction under that big umbrella. Mm-hmm. And we also get to meet 
the characters that Charlie Day and Byrne Gorman are playing, the two nerdy yeah, scientists. They they really gave me Ghostbuster vibes. Yeah. When um, you first kind of meet them. But the other one, not, not Charlie Day's character, the other guy, mm-hmm. what was with how he would – look, I loved him and I loved his choice in and commitment to sticking to his character. But he sounded like he belonged in like a 1930s detective film. Yes. See? Yes, he did. Hmm. <laughs> he had – I don't know. I don't know. It would just – I'm going to go it and worked. sneak these aliens, see? No, he's British. <laughs> he's British, though. It was so funny. Numbers do not lie. Politics and poetry, promises, these are lies. Numbers are as close as we get to the handwriting of God. What? Would you give me a moment? So we get a look at the the Shatterdome, which is kind of it's kind of like Star Wars and an and alien where we're in a futuristic world, but it's really kind of grimy and rusty. Mm-hmm. Except for our big giant robots, who we also get introduced to and to their crews. Yeah, don't get attached because they're all gonna die. Yes, and the and this is something that genuinely annoys me. So we've got Crimson Typhoon, which is. The ch- one of the Chinese-built Jaegers. It's gorgeous. It's piloted by the Wei Tang triplets. You don't even get first names. Okay. They don't, well, they don't even bother to give these guys first names. Uh-huh. So we know not to get attached. And Cherno Alpha, which is my favourite of the robots, the Russian robot, piloted by two insanely tall Russian people. Like the, the actor who's playing the, the male Chono Alpha Pilot is seven feet tall. Oh, my God. Yes. And something I didn't notice, but in one of the scenes that are basically like the Mean Girls cafeteria, he is wearing so many gold chains. He looks like Mr. Mm. T and it's amazing. Yes. So, yeah, Cherno Alpha, we've got the Russians. For some reason, they have this whole Soviet thing going on, which makes no sense and is just literally because it kind of looks cool, which is also kind of – sketchy i mean the soviet regime did things like genocide it's not just a cute aesthetic yeah and then we we find out about the australian jaeger striker Mm -hmm. eureka (laughs) is that what it's called yes it's called striker (laughs) eureka and i'm like on one hand i feel like we're lucky the name isn't worse why is it just eureka just call it eureka because i've all i don't look i don't know why they've all got two names i came up with some other Aussie names for Jaegers uh-huh. because yes. I thought Striker Eureka could have been worse, definitely could have been better. Banjo Anzac. Banjo Anzac. That feels, that feels realistic though, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tim Tam Bonza. <laughs> Bonza. Like that, yeah. <laughs> Kelpie Vegemite. I <laughs> feel like that's realistic. Um, I think the most realistic, honestly, though, is Bunyip Irwin. Bunyip Irwin. Think about it. Yes. It's a monster and there is no way Australians would make a robot that's about fighting giant sea creatures and not, not have an Irwin involved. Not memorialise yes. Steve Irwin. Yes. So, yeah, I feel like True. it should be called Bunyip Irwin. Ah, oh, Thank you. Yes. And we yeah, learn. Strike a Eureka. Like that's. Eureka. No. Eureka. is a great. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Striker, Striker. No. Exactly. Bunyip. Eureka would have been better. Yeah, Bunyip Eureka. Bunyip Eureka would have worked. Yes. Anyway, I've got but the that's people, a problem. This is the thing with this movie. The, the people that they wanted to interject some Australians into their movie mm-hmm. and knew nothing of it. They knew just enough to get Eureka and not enough to hire people <laughs> with real accents. 
yeah. or get the right kind of dog. There were like, <laughs> I can't complain. And that, names. Oh, yeah, I can't why, complain. Why isn't he called? Oh, I am complaining. Stephen Davo. Like, yeah, that's more realistic. Yeah, <laughs> I, like I shouldn't complain that they didn't actually have any Australians because also then it's literally set in Hong Kong and they also almost only have Chinese people as background actors yeah. and also didn't have any Asians involved. So yeah, oh no, well I mean Rinko Kikuchi is in it, but she's Japanese. She's mm-hmm. not from Hong Kong. But yes, maybe one of my general complaints is that. It could have been more diverse in the main cast. Oh, if you're going to have it set in Hong Kong, oh, my God, just, like, name. Give your give first names to your Chinese characters, please. Things like that. But also, as an Australian, it's the the way they got the Australian stuff almost right, but not quite. Oh, it was so irritating. It's so apparent to me, <laughs> even though it's not as important as, you know, the oh, weird they Soviet thing oh, no. going on in the corner there. Yes. So we learn the plan is to blow up the breach to stop the aliens coming through. Okay, so it's like that's the big important plot point. And we meet Chuck at this point. Um, our, why oh Why gosh. is Chuck so pissed off at like Riley? Like meets him and is instantly pissed off. I think just because the plot needs him to be punchable and all he delivered. I don't know. There is no it reason. doesn't make any sense. For him to be such a turd. Yeah. It was just it was, didn't make any sense if you just meet someone and be like, mm. I mean, some people maybe just, he liked him. Maybe mm. there was sexual tension there. Just gonna go down my rabbit hole of the everyone's bisexual in movies. I mean, and maybe he found him quite attractive. I'll check because who doesn't? It's Charlie. Oh no, yeah, Charlie Hunnam is extremely attractive. Yeah. And basically, as soon as he's all gruff for five minutes, you know, we get the the start of the movie where he's like, I'm just having the best time in the world with my brother Yancy. High five. Woo! Top gun. Yeah. I'm serious about um matching bomber jackets though, Amy. I'm serious. <laughs> um and then he's all sad because his brother died, which is like normal and he's all sad and gruff. And then he meets Marco and he is like a glowing golden retriever with heart eyes for the rest of the movie. Mm. He, actually one of the things I really like about him him in this role is he's so open his face is always so emotionally open and yeah. basically every time he looks at her it's just like wow you're the best you're the best person i've ever met you're yeah, so good it's really nice isn't it it's quite sweet he he gets so excited when he gets to see his robot again mm. he hasn't seen her for ages and <laughs> she's very beautiful he loves his robot we find out that newt charlie day wants to drift with a kaiju to find out what their plan is which is the best plan and I think casting Charlie Day was inspired. Yeah. He's just this perfect little chaotic goblin man. Yes. Probably not in real life, but he's really good at playing <laughs> a chaotic little goblin man. So when he dri- he actually does go and drift with uh, Kaiju. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't remember who delivers this line, but I wrote this line down because I did love it. Yep. I'm, I'm assuming it's his little offsider that says it. Yeah. And he goes, are you funning me, son? <laughs> I was just like, that's a little random thing to say. Mm. <laughs> Who does that? That is a random thing to say. Who says are that? Are you funning me, son? Like. I don't know. That's Who wrote that? Who wrote that? Are you kidding me? 
Are you, are you joking me it even? Must, it must be <laughs> Fern Gorman's character because who else talks like are an old time person? Are you me, son? Yes. <laughs> Seriously, though, the cafeteria s- scenes are kind of mean girls. It's all like, oh, you know, oh, oh, yeah. come and sit with us. Come and sit on the cool oh, Australian table. We one Stand of up things, and walk away from you now. Yeah. <laughs> one of the things I hadn't noticed was the Russians and all of their bling, which um, I'm in love with. Oh, my God, they're so blonde. Maybe, maybe Chuck's a wanker because he knows that because he, he got teased his whole life because his name was Chuck and no one calls their kid Chuck in Australia. It's possible. <laughs> but, yeah, and his dad just – Hercules. Hercules. Oh, God. He was Have just you ever taking, met a Hercules? Never met oh, – do you know how badly I want to meet a Hercules? So and bad. Look, if we did meet a Hercules, it would be at like a Greek restaurant or something. Yeah, probably. And it would make sense. Yeah. Good point. <laughs> so basically Chuck is a dick to Raleigh for no reason and then he like ponces off. And then Hercules is like, oh, I never really knew what to do with him. Hercules is the cool dad. Like this is Mean Girls and he's not a regular dad. He's, he's a, a cool, cool dad. dad. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I didn't know if he needed a hug or a kick up the ass. And Raleigh's like. I know. I know which one he needed. He needed both. As a parent, it's a bit of this and a bit of that. Yes. Discipline and love, hand in hand. And anyway, yeah, so Hercules knows he wasn't exactly a great dad and he's got a little shit as a son. Mm. I'm sure that will be resolved before the end of the movie. And Then we have the bow star fighting where Riley's trying to find his new um, – That was really cool because when I was in Japan – like oh, worked out, it was in ninety nine. Yep. So twenty one years ago, yeah, twenty two years ago. Twenty two years. Woof. Um, I was on exchange with school, and they they do we did classes for PE with those sticks. Oh my god, that's and they so had cool. like full armor stuff happening. We didn't get to put the armor on, or maybe a few of us did, but I know I didn't get get to put any armor on. I would have had a photo of it, I'm sure, if that had happened. But, um, yeah, that was their part of their PE program. Like over here in Australia we have to do netball and my kids just did um, cricket for a term. No, Japan, you've got to do – Bujutsu. Yeah, you've got to do fighting. So I was just like – She knows how to do this from high school. I actually really like when Riley's like, you know, oh, you keep making this little face and he like – kind of mimics her and it's it's very cute. What was really cute was the real trope of um, her watch him getting changed with his door open <laughs> and her her room just happens to be directly opposite and she's got yes. her door and she's like salivating over him getting changed and then he sees her and she goes, oh, quickly slams her door and then he kind of closes his door really slowly. I was like, oh, mm. my God. I feel like that is such – it's such yeah, classic – action movie stuff yeah. and it's like that was actually the least necessary stuff to leave in I know but I <laughs> I understand why it happened but they needed to kind of do the that she they there's an attraction there yes and so then they do the the, the fighting via hitting each other with sticks uh-huh. which goes real great Raleigh is like yes I'm extremely into being beaten up by this woman we're definitely going to pilot a giant mm-hmm. robot together yes and oh just the bit where he's like, you know, you should fight. And she's she goes from being all kind of like severe and she keeps telling him, no, actually you're a terrible candidate for this because of, of these reasons and she's really blunt with him. But then when she's asking Idris Elba if she can actually try out, her face just lights up like a little child mm. and it's beautiful. Yeah. 
And then, yeah, she beats Charlie Hunnam's ass with a stick. Mm-hmm. He's very into it. And he's like, yes, she's my co-pilot. And Idris Elba is all like, we'll see, you know, go away. Go like go to your room for two hours and you'll <laughs> and we'll do a test and you'll find out then. It's go like, away for two hours and look at each other get changed. What is <laughs> happening here? And you're like, okay, we're going to find out the backstory of why what is happening here is happening. And we do get that. But also, oh no, Idris Elba starts to get a nosebleed, which... Yeah, what's that about? Well, there's only, like, you know how in movies, if you cough blood into a white hanky, yeah, you have got TB. To to yeah. Like this. yeah, In movies, if you have a blood nose, you have cancer. Oh. Like that, it's basically universal. Okay. That is almost never accurate in real be, life. Well, that might be... This makes sense to me because my daughter was having quite a few blood noses. Mm-hmm. And subliminally, maybe... Because my mind first went to, oh my god, she's got leukemia. Mm-hmm. As it, this is you got to remember too. This was four in the morning, and it was her third nosebleed of the day. Yeah, and we'd had an ambulance out earlier because we couldn't stop the nosebleed. Yeah. So, and then Google was confirming <laughs> that. Yeah, and then, then in the light of day when you go to the doctor, and the doctor's just like, oh, she's probably got a nick up her nose, and <laughs> you're like, oh, we'll do some blood work, and everything was completely fine. Yeah. But maybe it's because I've been taught that blood noses equals cancer. Yes. Right. The X-Files did it. Yes. Um, other TV, I think it prob- might have happened on Doogie Howser a couple times. Doogie Howser. <laughs> but TV <laughs> I don't really me, have any memory of Doogie Howser. I have some memories of Doogie Howser. Not a lot, but just enough. Anyway, in movies, nosebleeds mean bad things. They mean you're dying and you have cancer mm-hmm. and that is but yeah, so, so we have, he does have cancer. Yeah, so we have well, we have mysteries at this point. Why oh. does Stacker have nosebleeds? Why maybe he got cancer when I was on my computer? Yeah, he did. <laughs> I am going to explain that in this recap. I'm going to explain all the parts of the movie you weren't paying attention to. Okay, so Stacker has nosebleeds. Why? Also, why does he act like he's Marco's dad? Yeah, so we no, he's just a bit of a father figure because she's orphaned, isn't she? Oh my god, you really weren't paying attention. Yes. Yeah, she's orphaned. And he found her. He's the yeah. he was in the robot that saved her. Yeah. Okay. No, I knew that. That was a good okay, scene. Cool. When they're drifting. Yes. Yeah. So their first kind of test it's their test drift really, isn't yeah. it? Between Riley and Stacker comes to to I'm just swapping between their real names and their um okay. the character names. But yeah, Stacker comes to Marco and decides that yes, actually, even though he Is just it said Mico no. Marco or Marco? Marco. Well M A K O Marco. Okay. I'm not I'm not doing a proper Japanese pronunciation, unfortunately. Yeah. Um I probably should be. But I don't think they bothered in the movie. No, I don't think they bothered in the movie either. Well, that sucks. Anyway, he Oh, she's wearing the cutest little cardigan. She's gone back to her room and she's popped on this adorable cardigan. <laughs> And she thinks it's going to be Riley because he's going to the test. And then, so she's just been sitting in her room for two hours. And then her dad shows up and is like, I present you with the little shoe right before you go and do an extremely difficult and emotional test to remind you that actually I've decided that, yes, you can take out your traumas in this situation. Mm. So the fact that then it all goes a bit awry is his fault. Yeah. But that scene is, and I love how it's shot, the scene where we go into her memory and we see her in a kaiju attack on Tokyo, the attack where we presume she's lost her family. And yeah, the and she's a little them. girl. She's only like about seven, mm, I would say. The actress who played young Marco 
couldn't say Guillermo del Toro's name because yeah. that is an extremely That's difficult set of sounds if you're a native Japanese speaker. And so he gave her permission to call him Totoro-san because he kind Totoro-san. of <laughs> he looked looks like a bit Totoro. like Totoro. <laughs> <laughs> and it was so cute. But, yeah, she was she was fantastic and we get this, mm. this beautiful scene where Raleigh sees the yeah, horrible traumatic attempt so that happened. So he can see yeah, the ho- all horrible her thoughts. Trauma. He kind of has to talk her down because she – goes into attack mode and they're they're just in the warehouse really yeah. so if she starts attacking yeah everyone's she, screwed, she turns basically. their laser cannon on yeah. and everyone's like oh get shit out, get better out. get out meanwhile um this is when burn gorman shows up and is he like yelling at idris elba oh no oh no this thing's happening he's like look this is an important moment for me my daughter's having her first robot ride and he's like <laughs> No, um, Newt just tried to drift, you know, assembled some garbage and tried to drift with a kaiju. And he's like, oh, fuck's sake, I have to go and deal with my stupid science sons. Mm-hmm. And he does. And so we get more of Charlie Day being Charlie ridiculous. Day. Yeah. And then, so then, then that's when the, this next kind of storyline kind of kicks in where they kind of get he, – he's told, well, you need to drift again. You need to get more information because he got a little bit of information about that they're – the, these guys that we're fighting are just the first round mm-hmm. um, and then the uh, exterminators are coming in. Yes, and they are genetic – and this is important for later. These are genetically engineered and sort of grown in vat monsters to come and do that. Yeah, okay. So you need to you need to drift again to get more information. You have to go and find this dodgy black market guy who's got all these kaiju bits and bobs and – pieces and juveniles yeah. and and things so you can find an active brain so you can drift again and so that's where that new storyline of when they kind of go off on their own the science boys kind of kicks into action yes. too and i love that it actually does explain something that often goes unexplained in action movies is where is all the funding coming from because mm. specifically we were told the funding's been cut yeah and what stacker did was sold the rights to all of the kaiju bits to yes. this black market guy hannibal chow <laughs> okay i have a quote from well, i have a couple of things so ron perlman apparently they were going to cast ron perlman, perlman as Hercules Hansen. Oh. I don't think he could have been Australian if you cast Maybe Ron Perlman. Maybe that's why they yeah. kind of went, no. And then Guillermo del Toro thought. But then they made him into Hannibal Chow. Well, I'm going to talk about that because then Guillermo del Toro thought, oh, actually with Charlie Hunnam and Ron Perlman, that just might be a bit too Sons of Anarchy. Mm-hmm. So he recast him because they Let's worked together. Let's keep them out of the scenes t- yeah. together. Yep. And he's. They've worked together a bunch of times, Guillermo and Ron, and they, mm-hmm. you know, they did the Hellboys. They get along really well. Mm-hmm. So I've got a quote from Ron Perlman about being cast as Hannibal Chow. Quote, I actually think this character was designed to be played by another ethnicity other than myself. Mm. And somewhere along yes. the way, Del Toro had the notion, wouldn't it be interesting to turn this guy into more of an invention? So... I do think it feels like Hannibal Chow was supposed to be Chinese and then was recast. Yeah, his last name's Chow. Yeah. And they explain it in a funny way, but it's one of those bits of the movie where I'm like, as much as I love Ron Perlman and I think this character was a lot of fun. I didn't realise his last name was Chow. Yeah. He named – it's the, the quote in the movie is he named himself after his favourite historical general and his second favourite Szechuan restaurant in Brooklyn. Right. So okay, it's yeah, fully I do a made-up fake yes, name. Okay. Yeah. Which I'm sort of 
Look, I, and I love Ron Pelman, but I also why feel like... Why did they need to keep his name Chow, though? Like, they could have... Yes. That? Named it anything. And you could have... Uh, and also, then and just not written that funny line. Like, what? why was that line's importance more than that, changing the name? Well, and it, yeah, it comes down to he wanted Ron Pelman. He didn't want to change the name. He didn't want to change the I'll name. I'll just write an extra line. <laughs> there are so many great Hong Kong actors it could have been that yeah. I do feel like we missed an opportunity for that to be like Tony Leung or um, Chow Yun-Fat, Chow Yun-Fat. Mm, would have been good. That said, I love Ron Perlman. He's really good in it. He's really good. We get the rest of Marco's backstory because Riley goes and talks to Idris Elba about, mm-hmm. hey, I know what happened. I saw all of that and we see Idris Elba popping out of the top of his Jaeger into the you know into the sunshine, be, and becoming Marco's new dad. Anyway, we're back in the Mean Girls cafeteria. We're about an hour into the movie, and then everything goes off, and we have a good half an hour, like a good maybe 20, 30 minutes of punching of the, of the robots and yeah. the and the monsters punching. Yep. Fights, 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 fights. Something I didn't notice until this rewatch was that the the Jaeger. Crimson Typhoon has a tramp stamp. Oh, okay. And so I think it was at this point that w- I was watching with my husband. He kind of was floating in and out for the, I guess, his favourite parts. He was floating in to watch. Mm-hmm. And he was just going like, oh, they're just so dumb. They just need to, to get a sword. Why, why aren't they just get a sword, cut them? Why do they keep trying to shoot them? Just slice them. And I was like, yeah. That is a good idea. That is a good idea. And then she does it. Yep. And then you're like, wow, that was a good idea. Why the fuck haven't you been doing that all along? Yeah, I know. Like you've got these shoes just like activate sword and like, are you telling me it's always been an option? Is this the the fight too that um, – This is the fight where they use a big um, container ship as like a baseball bat, which I like oh, and is cool. Okay. Uh, and is this when Charlie Day Hong. kind of gets ushered underground? Yes. And he breaks his glasses in the, the biggest trope of the whole movie. Yep. Charlie Day tells Hannibal Chow, Ron Perlman, that he drifted with a kaiju and that's why mm. he needs a brain. And But then then he kind of says, well, all these kaijus, they know that you've drifted, so yeah, they're coming for you. Because Charlie Day also tells him that they're a hive mind. And I feel like all of this is a huge leap. I feel right, like okay, all of this mind. I get it. So it's like that theory of if you kill a wasp, they all kind of come for you. Have you heard yeah, that before? Yeah, I've heard that. I guess yeah. that is where hive mind comes from, yeah. things that live in hives. Yeah, so it's a bit of a stretch, but look, it's a movie about robots and aliens, so... Mm, so he thinks they're coming for him. He thinks they're coming for him. And then there's a bit of a stampede and there's a bit of a, a bit of a moment of where everyone's like, oh, they're after him and his glasses yes. get broken. And so he's having the whole like, oh, no, I'm fully blind now, groping around on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> and the kaiju does just kind of bust a hole through the... Yeah, and he's there. And is that the kaiju? That's the, so then there's... I can't even remember how that kaiju dies. I think one of the robots, I think Gypsy Danger gets it. Gypsy Danger. Gypsy Danger gets it. And, and then, then, then 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 Hector, not Hector, 
Hannibal, <laughs> Hannibal, <laughs> <laughs> Hannibal, Hector, Hercules. That's lady's choice. I'm going to call him Hannibal. Ciao. Yes. Sends people in yes. to retrieve um, the brain and all of that. Charlie Day goes back and is like, I survived, bitches. And they go and get the it. Glasses and he goes aren't as there. broken as you thought. Well, they're pretty broken, but he can still see enough. Like, he found the glasses, which is the important part. They go in to go and get all of the kaiju bits out and discover, even though 40 minutes ago, Charlie Day told us that these creatures are, like, grown. Yes. It's pregnant. Yes. Yeah, it's pregnant and, and that baby busts its way out mm-hmm. in a very dramatic way. Yes. And then promptly, seemingly dies. And then <laughs> Hannibal. This is your favourite scene? <laughs> this is my favourite scene. Hannibal Chow, because I loved his whole like, yeah, man. I knew. I knew from just I one knew, look. I knew that wasn't going to survive. Like one look and I knew that wasn't going to survive. Da, 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 goes Swag, swaggers up to it and then promptly gets eaten by it. And I was just wetting myself laughing. Yeah. I was like, okay, the movie's back for me now. It's yeah. back for me. He's been eaten. That's great. And then and then I think it collapses and actually dies. Yes, it, fi- it finally dies. It's, um, it's being choked and held back by its umbilical cord, which sort oh. of made me think – are they placental mammals? I don't want to have to think any harder about what about the biology of these kaijus. That is the funniest part of the movie. It is why Ron Perlman is so good and mm. I do love seeing him every time he pops up. I know, and his little shoe was hanging out, his little gold-tipped shoe. <sighs> Those shoes are so good. I mean, there are so <laughs> many people you could cosplay as in this. Oh, the fashions. But his would be the most fun. A thing... That I always notice when I watch this movie is that we've been told, okay, so when you're drifting, you're, you're in each other's heads, right? Mm-hmm. You know what each other is thinking. But Riley will just scream it at the top of his of whatever he's thinking or planning to do. He'll just scream it at the top of his lungs anyway, which is great as an audience member because yeah, obviously because we I'm not need in that. his head. Yeah. Yes. Uh, like we're just like, that's okay. This is yeah. how the movie works. Yes. He's just going to scream everything. Marco doesn't. He's just like constantly screaming at her. Mm. I wonder if you discover you're drift compatible with someone and then discover they're really annoying. What do you do with that? Because he's you kind of have to, surely you wouldn't be annoying. surely you wouldn't be annoyed by the person that you're drift compatible to, though. Surely that's part of part of it. So you're never annoyed by your husband. No, I'm constantly annoyed by my <laughs> husband. <laughs> that's why drifting might be easier. So. <laughs> I can understand what the hell's going on. Anyway, we have like a full, we have an hour of the movie doing exposition and introducing characters. Then we have 30 solid minutes of the fighting intercut with Newt doing his Charlie Day. Mm -hmm. And then Gypsy kills the, they've killed all of the kaiju. They come back to finish the plot basically, mm. at the Shadow Dome. So is this where they've discovered where they're coming from? Have we discovered where they're coming from at this point? Where We've discovered that there's like a wormhole or yes. something. No, we knew that. Yeah. Okay, so, there's, there's, so there is a wormhole and that's where they're all coming up from. And so we've got to go, someone, some hero, some hero needs to go down there and... Close it. Close it or blow it to smithereens. Yes, and that's the plan. And what Charlie Day and... Bern Gorman are trying to do is, well, basically is doing the investigation that 
we then find out from there. So then they team up together to drift with the kaiju, which is like an adorable oh, that's moment. Right. <laughs> an adorable moment. And then they work out that unfortunately, because of hand wavy science reasons that I can never fully explain, because of reasons the that it's not gonna work, that you can't send something back through that portal. Okay. It's coded genetically to only send the kaijus through and not let anyone from Earth send anything back. So it, if we send a big bomb to blow it up, it's just going to bounce off it. So they then right. have to rush back and tell them this before they start the big plan, which they're about to start the big plan of taking, sending the Australians to, to chuck a bomb down there. Mm-hmm. Oh, we didn't talk about the Australians doing the only part that actually felt legitimately Australian where it's the two blokes and they're stuck and the power's out and they're like, let's do something really stupid. And they shoot flares at the kaiju. They basically pop out the top and are like, we're going to get eaten, but we're going to shoot flares at it because we've got nothing else to do. (laughs) That was the only part where I'm like, I accept that these men could be Australian. (laughs) I think it's like stuck with nothing else to do. They're like, let's just just try and fuck its shit up. Let's just use the flares. Yeah. Now we have a choice here. We either sit and wait or we take these flare guns and do something really stupid. Also, after Gypsy Danger had like been basically grounded and then immediately got sent out to do the thing mm-hmm. when when her when her dad's like, I'm proud of you. That always that always hard yeah. warms my heart. They did do a really good job. But now they've got to get down that hole. First, we learn what's happening with Stacker's nosebleeds because he does a whole big like speech of the, yep, we don't have time to grieve even though we lost literally oh, yes. half of our um, robots and yeah. the, and five people. And then he has a nosebleed in front of everybody and then Raleigh follows him into his office and, and they have a chat. Why Stacker's office has, is basically all water feature. Oh, it's weird, but whatever. <laughs> we find out the story is basically terrible OHS that the first Jaegers had no radiation shielding and so he uh, got lots of radiation poisoning. Right. And the last time he was in one, he it was damaged. He had to do solo combat. The only other person who's done solo combat was Raleigh. Mm-hmm. And he got a lot of radiation damage. And now, even though this part doesn't really make sense, if he goes back into a Jaeger, he'll die. Like, okay, they don't fully explain... So it's not like they're saying that there's cancer. It's just like my brain will explode. Kind of, yeah. Okay. So, of course, once he's told us that he'll die as soon as he goes into a Jaeger, he goes into into a a Jaeger. Jaeger. He does a great Shakespearean, you know, at the end of our days. Who's going to be my co-pilot and out he comes. I think he's co-piloting with Chuck. Because Herc hurt his arm right before they decided to. And Hercules and... And what's his face? I can't remember. You just said his name like 10 times. Chuck? No, Chuck. Stacker. Stacker. Stacker and Hercules used to be partners. That's mm. the, what I understood because I that's how – I yeah. understood that because he said, well, how do you know we're compatible? And he, there was yes. some kind of thing of like, well, I, he, I was compatible with your father. So, yeah, therefore, he, your, your Chuck's – you're Hercules' son, so therefore we'll be compatible. So I kind of assumed that they were once partners or and boyfriends. then he had to <laughs> – Do you ever get the vibe that they're boyfriends? No, I didn't. But I, once again, you yeah, never know. Yeah, I, I did too, but, um, you know. That they, you know, mm. they've worked together. They are a team. He's re- gone up in the ranks and retired. So that's why – and my son's old enough. You're now my new partner. 
Yeah. That's that's what I kind of understood. That makes sense because, yeah, as soon as Stack is going to drift with Chuck, we've been told all this stuff about drift compatibility and the, and Chuck asks the very sensible, well, how is this going to work question? And Stack is like, I have an exemption by being badass and also I know your dad and I know you're a little fuckwit. So, yeah. Anyway, Stacker gives the big speech, explains to Chuck that he takes nothing into the drift and it's like, okay, like, okay, Stacker, you've got, you've got an exemption because we needed it for the plot. And then Newt and Bern Gorman run in and are like, no, it's not going to work. Oh, yeah, they get there right the last minute, don't they? And the plan all gets changed and because of reasons. So Stacker (laughs) and Chuck sacrifice themselves to let Gypsy Danger go through and explode gypsy danger because gypsy danger is nuclear and that's going to be the thing instead of the bomb i don't know that look wherever it actually is in the pacific is fully irradiated now like it's very bad Mm. but so stacker and chuck die okay but they die a heroic death yes um marco calls him sensei which is kind of sweet yeah the teacher Kirk is real sad, but also now the boss. Mm-hmm. And no time for crying. No time for crying. Marco and Raleigh get out just, and for a bit we think, oh no, Raleigh's dead. He's not yeah, dead. Yeah, no. So they go down into it and get into their little pods and start like there's timers for explosions and things, and then they kind of um, hit the eject button. Yep, and pop back up into the ocean. Set it to self-destruct. Yeah. And that kind of all works. Like she she pops up and she's alive and then the explosion kind of happens and then after that is where Riley pops up into the ocean and mm-hmm. she jumps out and swims over to him and we think he's he's dead. And then he's not we're dead. going, do CPR, do CPR. But <laughs> then you realise like she probably can't with, with the suit he's wearing. Yeah. He wouldn't be able to get any compressions done but then – he magically isn't dead. Isn't dead. Of course. And they sit up and it's actually really nice. I was expecting them to have a big pash. But they don't. But they, they just, don't. They just like head nuzzle. Yeah, they just have a little <laughs> forehead bop and it's really sweet. And it's really, really sweet. Which is a reminder too that like even though they're drift compatible and they know so much about each other, they've also only known each other for like two days. Yeah. So And he's not gonna just realistic. go in and go in Snogger. for the pash. Yeah. Yeah. It was really, really a sweet way to end end it i thought so yeah and then the the theme kicks in and tom morello's shredding the guitar and it's great yeah the end da, 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 da. even though there is a sequel yeah don't make me watch the sequel i'm not gonna make you watch the <laughs> sequel i love john boyega and he's extremely charismatic and great but i'm not gonna make you watch the sequel i watched that on a plane okay yeah, no, it was good it was i like oh. i said i can really see why people love it and get into it it just was kind of a bit gloomy for me mm-hmm. and like I said I got I got a bit fatigued with the gloom and the neon it was it was kind of became hard to watch in a way mm-hmm. that stylizing not saying the stylizing was bad I think it was fantastic yeah. but it just was a bit draining for me to watch it was well, not enough sparkles and chul and feather boas for me <laughs> okay, yeah, true. We do know what you like. Oh, did you stay through the credits to see that Ron Perlman isn't dead? He cuts his way out of No, the... I didn't. Okay, he survived. Oh, good old Ron. In a, in a post credit scene. Good on you. 
I can't remember. Hannibal ha- Chow. <laughs> Hannibal Chow. Good on you, Hannibal Chow. <laughs> Amy's fun fact corner. I don't have many fun facts on this one. Well, one of my fun facts was they cut like an hour out yeah. of it. So my, one of my fun facts was that Tom Cruise was considered, mm. um, which we spoke about before that. You know, I feel like if you haven't considered Tom Cruise for your movie, have you? Are you even making a movie? <laughs> um, Do you think it's one of those things that they almost feel like they have to? Like he's such a big star that if you've got a big male role like and that, you've yeah, got to offer and it's it. an action movie yeah. that maybe you've got to. Mm. I don't know. Mm, I don't know. So the premise came to the screenwriter while he was on a walk in two thousand and seven. So that makes more sense to me with why he would kind of have it going in 2020. So. I was actually quite surprised that it came to a screenwriter because watching it, I was so sure that this was a comic that mm. had been adapted. Um, so I was really, really surprised because I really thought it was a comic. It's so it seems comicy. The visual. characters seem comicy. Um, yeah, they're caricatures mm. really, which mm-hmm. I kind of thought was more comic based than just someone writing a movie. Yep. But yeah, so that that's interesting. And you know what some of that is? So few original concepts come like particularly with budgets like this come to screen anymore. It's it's a safer bet for for a lot of studios to yeah. pick up an existing property and and adapt it. it. Yeah. Anything with this like with such a strong visual style, you do mm. think Oh, well, that's come what from I somewhere. thought, like, because it was such a strong, strong visual so- style yeah. that you, you think that that's where it's come from. But in saying that, before they did the movie, they had concept artists put together over a hundred different um, kaijus and yep. Jaeger designs. So that's where, where the visual, like, the strong visual elements come from that they've worked so incredibly hard before they've even mm-hmm. – put anything down for consideration for film. Yep. Like they've they've really got their concept happening. Yeah, huge amounts of work happened before they actually got to to filming. Once again, <laughs> I don't really have any gossip on these no. actors because I don't didn't really know. I'm sure Tar- Charlie Days we've got there'd be some some ripper stories about him. <sighs> Probably. But I don't know if anything really salacious. No, I, <laughs> I think mean, he'd just have really fun Story. I think he'd be a lot of fun. Like he's been, you know, working on It's Always Sunny with his mates and his wife for years. Like yeah. he's been married for years and years. I think he'd be hilarious to hang out with. Yeah. I don't think I could. I didn't dig up any drama. No, I couldn't from, find from any this, either. From the shoot. So that's great. Well done, yeah, Pacific kind of. Rim. <laughs> well done. Okay, Kate. Do you want to hear what? You're going to be watching? Yes, I do. We're going to be watching an Oscar-winning movie, a more recent movie by my personal favourite director, Taika Waititi. <gasps> We're going to be watching Jojo Rabbit. Awesome. So it will be a good one because it is another one, very serious subject matter, mm-hmm. very funny undertones. Yes. Very funny people in the movie. Yes. Oh, that'll be really yeah, good. So that's what we're going to be watching. Awesome. So watch along with us, guys. Cool. Now, I think Jojo Rabbit is on Disney Plus. Google and see where you can watch it. It is one that is worth hire, like 100% worth 
its weight in gold yeah. to hire this movie. It's a must see. It's mm-hmm. amazing. Saw it in the cinema, paid money, very happy with it. Yeah, Thomas. yeah, really, really good. So I'm excited to talk about that Yeah, next week. Cool. Awesome. Thanks for listening, everyone. Remember to subscribe, rate and review. And if you want to contact us, you can email us at youwatchedwhatpodcast at gmail.com. Great. See you next time, guys. Bye. Bye.